This evening we're reading from Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. So if you'd like to turn there in your Bibles, it's on page 1053, beginning at verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Just thank you. Good evening. Well, you know this story, don't you? Should Should we go home? You, you kind of know the story. Zacchaeus, it's very familiar, isn't it? Fellow went up a tree, you know, all that stuff. You, you know it only too well. Uh, and I, I guess the, the easiest thing to do would be to say, this story is all about our attitudes and money. Go and straighten that out, you know, write a few checks uh, and sort it all out. Everything, everything will be fine. Well, if you think that, you're way out. Because this is something which comes in a flow within the New Testament, within Luke's Gospel particularly, uh, which is not so much about money. Money's kind of a, a thing to hang it on, but there's a lot more going on here in Luke's Gospel than that. Um, if you go back to the chapter before, just like the blind man who Jesus healed, it says, on his way into Jericho, uh, and you get to the end of that narrative of, of what happened there, what you see is Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus praising God. His life had been transformed by his meeting with Jesus. Something definite had changed. Not just the fact that he could now see, but also he could see spiritually. He'd had an insight. Now, when you come to this story, uh, the story of Zacchaeus, I I believe, is very much about the same sort of idea. Uh, Why do I say that? Not on my authority, but the last verse that Jess read to us. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So, so this is whole, if you go back into the prodigal story, which we were in, was it two weeks ago, wasn't it? Uh, and there you get the same idea. Something was lost. Something was outside, and Jesus wanted it to be inside. He wanted to see lives changed. Um, so confrontation, meeting with Jesus, is life-changing. And, and I think this is the flow of Luke's gospel. Well, great friend of mine, uh, you can try this if you, if you like at home. David Jackman taught me this years ago. He says, treat the Bible like an archery target. And you may say, does that mean you fire things at it? No, it doesn't. It means that you work outwards from the middle. In the middle is a verse. Go out a bit, there's a section. Go out a bit, there's a chapter. Go out a bit further, there's a book. Go out a bit, there's a testament. And go out even further, there's the whole Bible. So always set the Bible and the chapter that you're reading in the context of something around it and broader. Otherwise, you'll miss it. You'll miss what it's about. And so this is all about Zacchaeus. 
uh, was a man who is sought by Jesus. It's Jesus, when we get to the story, who takes the initiative, really. Who was this man? Well, Luke gives us all the detail we need to understand the story. He was a chief tax collector. If you'll forgive the pun, he is a man at the top of the tree of tax collecting. I couldn't resist that. Sorry, it's very weak, isn't it? But there you go. Um, But that's what he was, because he had tax collectors under him. So here was Zacchaeus, the big boy, and here were all the tax collectors collecting money from people uh, to pay the Romans. Uh, And these guys at this level would all take a cut, and then Zacchaeus would take a cut from them. So he was getting rich quick, and it was all pretty bent and pretty horrible. He would take cut, commission, call it what you like, and he, Luke reminds us that he was a wealthy man. Well, that's not surprising, is it, really? He's got all these rackets and, and things, so it's not surprising that he would be regarded by any self-respecting Jew as very dishonest and very unworthy of being called a Jew. Now, the crowd's reaction in verse 7 is interesting because they react and say, well, how can a man this bent possibly be eating with a great teacher, a good teacher? Because he's a sinner. And this was a phrase, again, if you trace this back through this part of Luke's gospel, you hear this over and over again. He eats with sinners. As if you can point a finger at another human being and say, sinner, let me point out to you that when you point at somebody, there's three fingers pointing at you. Okay? So when you say sinner to somebody, yeah, you're right, but you are too. So don't go around. You see, I I think it's awfully possible to... Uh, to look down on people in that way. We'll come back to that in a minute. Now, was it his riches that debarred him from the kingdom? Well, again, if you go back to the previous chapter, uh, it said there how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, But Jesus qualifies it three verses later when he says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. So it is not simply the fact that he's got a lot of dosh that that keeps him out of the kingdom. That's not what it's about. One commentator describes Zacchaeus. I love this. This is what you want on your tombstone, all right? That he was a capitalist, a collaborator, a crook, and a pretty notorious bad lot. That would be a lovely epitaph if somebody did that at your funeral, wouldn't it? Fantastic. But, 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 he is seeking Jesus. He is seeking Jesus. And enthusiastically, too, Zacchaeus is not a man you would happily sit next to in your local synagogue. He would, he would be well-known and much hated, but he is seeking Jesus. Just as Paul wasn't trusted uh, when he was first converted by Christians, um, Zacchaeus would never have been trusted because he's one of them. He's one of those sinners. Do we ever stereotype the people we think should become Christians. If I can use a new word, do we kind of respectabilize it? We only want nice people to become Christians. We don't want those who aren't nice to come into our church. It's ever so easy. You might not think you do it, but we all do it. We really do. We, we like it to be cozy and nice and secure and pretty. And sometimes, in my experience of ministry, people come and they don't fit the mold quite of our church. And Jesus says, come to such as they. So beware of stereotyping that. Let's pick up the story and see what actually happens. Zacchaeus wants to see 
the great cheat teacher. He may be a big cheat, but we're told he's a little fella. He was, as they say, vertically challenged. The Bible, good enough for me, just says he was short. And it's part of the story, is it? Now, um, short people have problems, don't they? Seeing where, where they want to be somewhere. But he climbs a sycamore tree. Up he goes. Short trunk with wide branches. So up he goes. And then there's this great moment. This is one of the moments of the Bible I'd love a video camera for. I really would. Because what it says in my Bible, it probably says it in yours, Jesus looked up. Wow. What a moment. So Zacchaeus probably thought, I, I just want to catch a glimpse, you know. I, I, I just want to see him. I, that will be good enough for me. But, but Jesus looks up at him, spots him in the tree. Now, you probably would spot a guy in a tree, wouldn't you? But there probably weren't too many guys up the trees, but he spots him. You see, the Son of God came to seek and save the lost. And there ain't not much lost, more lost than Zacchaeus. But Jesus came for such as him. Jesus' ministry is to reclaim prodigals. That's what he came to do because he loves them and he has salvation for them just as he has for us and for anybody here tonight who doesn't know that Jesus. He has it for you because he loves you and he wants the best for you. And we read that uh, Zacchaeus greets him gladly. Now, it would be somewhat unsurprising if he didn't, did he? wouldn't it be, really? Because I'm going to pull this one again. I've pulled it a couple of times here before. Um, but I have been very close to the Queen. Um, did I mention this last time? I can't remember now. Um, did I? Say no? No, I didn't. Great. We'll go on with the Queen bit then. Okay. Uh, I was stood in a guard of honor at Wimbledon, you know? Okay, as you do. And uh, I was stood there like this. Because I steward at Wimbledon every year, if you didn't know. Don't ask me for tickets afterwards. Um, we were all stood there like this, and we were told not to avert our gaze. So we stood there like this, and the queen walked past. And we were told, only if she speaks to you, do you speak to her. And you stand there, eyes fixed front. I did actually, sneakily, keep, I did turn my eyes actually. But that's a confession I have never made to any other audience. But there you go. <laughs> Uh, I did do it, um, and just to catch a glimpse of her, because I, I wanted to see her, you know. You know, it happened to me at school as well when I was teaching. Queen drove past my schoolroom, as you do, and uh, I went out to see her, and uh, I waved to her because I wanted to see her. She's important. So Zacchaeus just wanted to be there, and and he's he's there because. He wanted to be. There's no time to do any hoovering or dusting. He gets out of his tree, greets Jesus, um, and Jesus says, I want to come and have tea with you. Let's go. So it's tree, pavement, house. Very quickly. And there is the Son of God at your tea table. Wouldn't you love to have a meeting with the Son of God? Perhaps some of you need to tonight. Perhaps some of you need to talk through the way life is at the moment. You just need to be at that tea table with Jesus. Excuse pushing the analogy, but it's, I think it's a very simple one, isn't it? Because there you can talk and eat, and maybe you need to just share things with Jesus. And do we contrive this too much? Isn't it just the fact that he is there, he is with us? We say at every communion service, the Lord is here, his spirit is with us. And, and he wants us to hear he wants us to speak. He wants us to tell him about the things that are keeping you tonight away from following Jesus fully and, and as you know you should be. 
I don't care what it is. It might be, dare I say this to a younger congregation that I preached to at 7.15, maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's a relationship that stinks. Maybe it's, it's money, and it is the love of money, and it is the desire to be acquisitive. Maybe it is the desire to, to be powerful. And all these things are much bigger than that longing to sit at the table with Jesus and to hear what he has to say. And uh, there he is. At a distance, we'd probably say, wonderful story. Isn't it, isn't it terrific that he did that? But the religious leaders, the word in the Bible says, mutter. It's the same word that's used about the children of Israel in the desert with Moses. Mutter, mutter, mutter. Near, near, near. Don't like being here. This is rubbish. Uh, why don't we go back to Egypt? That's muttering. It's the same word here. And the very fact that Jesus ate with him is deeply significant because eating is a sign, a deep sign of fellowship and love and relationship. It's not a microwave generation uh, where you shove it in the oven and out it comes, off you go. It's a time where we sit down and, and listen. And the fact that Jesus did that reveals that he has not written this guy off. He's not said he's beyond the pale. Jesus doesn't seem to worry too much about his testimony. He takes him as he is. Because to Jesus, lost people matter. He wants to see him changed. And Zacchaeus expresses his newfound way of life. His acceptance of Jesus is Lord happens at his tea table. Wonderful, isn't it? And he does two things. Half of what he owns, he gives to the poor. Where do you want to go with that? Half of what I own, I give to the poor. Is that a command? I leave it with you. I, I think it's at least a challenge to look at your latest bank statement. Dare I go that far? A challenge to look at how income is distributed from your, your, no, God's money that he gave you to steward and look after. And therefore, we need to think about that. But those he's wronged, he gives four times the amount he took. Aware of his own sin, his desire is to put it right but to give 50% was well beyond expectations. But there is a biblical precedent. If you go back into Exodus 22 verse 1, if a man steals an ox or a sheep, he must pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. And you think, is that what Zacchaeus is up to? Too right it is. He knew that. And what he's doing is he's saying, I am a thief. He is standing up publicly by doing what he's doing, by repaying that fourfold. He's actually identifying with what Exodus describes as a thief. This is an offering from the heart of a changed man. And he has, in every sense, obeyed the two great commandments. He's learnt his love for God again. And he's also learnt what it means to love his neighbor. Zacchaeus has realized that possessions aren't everything. Money was his God. 
And when we follow Jesus, that should be under his control. Dare I say, is this going too far for you tonight? Everything should be under his control. Because all that you have is his. The car that I drove here tonight, it's not mine. It's God's. The money that I have in the bank is not mine. It isn't. It's something that we need to understand. And Romans reminds us, doesn't it, if we're going to give a gift, to do it generously. So I leave that with you. Zacchaeus' day is complete. Jesus endorses the response fully. He says, salvation has come to this house because this man is a son of Abraham. That means he is restored to the fold. He is brought in again. He is part of God's family. And we can learn from this simple story I think two simple lessons. The first one is that Jesus has a commitment to sinners. We see how he responds to the humble who seek his face. His commitment to lost people. So often in the story of the gospel, he stops, he relates, he talks to them about what it means to be lost. So many illustrations, if, if only I had time to go through about 20 of them quite quickly. And Jesus longs to take initiatives in people's lives. He longs to be there, to be someone that changes the way that person is living and, and doing the things that they do. Now, what's the crowd in this story significant, do you think? Those people kept Zacchaeus away from Jesus. He was a short fella. Now, I told this story this morning. I'm going to tell it again because it's, it's, it's a very nice one. It was one that was lovely. Happened to me when I was a little boy of about five years old. And my lovely daddy took me to a big football match in London, Charlton Athletic. They were big in those days. They're rubbish now. Sorry, is there any chance to support us here? Have I just blown it? Anyway, um, we got to the back of this huge... We always stand up in those days. And my dad had kind of forgotten that if you take a five-year-old into a huge cot where everybody stands... It's kind of tricky to see. And I couldn't see a dicky bird. Not a thing could I see. So what happens is we get to the back, and, and my dad sort of says to the bloke in front, could you let us through? Could you let... I've got my son here. He, he can't see a thing. And they look at this sweet little boy. <laughs> now, steady on. Don't laugh. You weren't supposed to laugh at that point, Jack. There we go. And, and, and the, it's like a wave parting. And these lovely men in cloth caps, because that's what they used to wear to go to football matches, just parted... And I ended up at the front, right behind the goal. I couldn't believe it. And there in goal, some of you remember this. Arthur, you'll remember this. Um, Sam Bartram, England goalkeeper, right in front of me. I couldn't believe You've never heard of Sam Bartram, have you? Oh, come on, guys. Get a life. Um, he was a great footballer, anyway. Um, and there he was. I'd seen the man. Is the church a crowd that keeps people from seeing Jesus. They were all there that, that day like this, and Zacchaeus was down here. How am I going to see? Now, I'm going to drop a few bombs here, but it's Sunday evening, so it's okay. It might be traditions which aren't biblical. Some are, but many aren't. It might be the way we do things. Maybe we, the language we use is not inclusive to people who come and are seeking Jesus. 
maybe we isolate ourselves and the drawbridge is up and we are the crowd stopping little fellas getting to see Jesus may I say lovingly may God forgive us and if there are things about us that are unloving that are gossipy too much stuff on text which is unworthy too many stuff too much stuff that we say and do to other people and people say well if that's Christians you can stick it so I ask you as I ask myself if we are the means or, or the reason rather why people cannot see Jesus when I used to enter the pulpit in previous church in Sheffield uh, somebody remind me of it this, this morning it simply said this as you walked up the steps into the pulpit there was a little piece of paper and it said sirs we would see Jesus every time you went to preach in that church that's what you saw before you got up to preach and if I haven't shown you Jesus I haven't done my job and, and so what we're saying here is that if that crowd is something that is stopping people coming into a relationship with Jesus. Let us be an open community. Let us be a welcoming community. In so many ways we are, and we're good at doing that in many, many contexts. But let's be sure that anybody who works, walks through these doors for whatever occasion gets a chance to see Jesus. And maybe for each of us as individuals, we, we need to understand what happened to Zacchaeus that day it's not just about his money is it his money was the big issue with which Jesus hangs this this narrative on and it was the reason that, that it kept him away from God but there can be all sorts of reasons why things keep us away from God can't there there can be pride there can be a kind of arrogance that we know best there can be uh, the fact that we get to a place where we say you know I, I don't need Jesus there can be so many reasons so many reasons why our relationship with, with Jesus is not as it is. Do we talk to Jesus about our future, our university, our place of work? We have a lovely illustration before our eyes tonight as Sarah and Richard move on that God has led them to Carlisle. Not many people get led to Carlisle, but bless you for going. <laughs> Sorry, I had to put that in because I know the place really well. It's fantastic, isn't it, that God has done that? He's, he's done that to their lives and, and put them in a place where he wants them to be. Now, they were open to that. That's what they said earlier. But have we shut it off so that we're not listening to Jesus anymore? We're not reading his word. We're not looking at what God has to say to us. Uh, and so we're not hearing and, and I think this story reminds me that what happened to Zacchaeus that day was not just that he paid back a lot of people a lot of money that he diddled them out of, but that his whole value system had gone. His whole worldview had been swept away. His whole worldview up to this point was dominated by the desire to make money and get rich quick. And Jesus, in one confrontation, in one moment, swept it away and said, Zacchaeus, no, don't do that. And if your life is, is bound by something that drives you, that drives you onwards, which is not of God, 
and, and it's become maybe even obsessive. And there are things that you need to sort. And there are, need, there, there are issues perhaps in your life that there's, there's pride maybe in what you own, what you, you have in, in your house. Said he, dropping another bomb. And maybe God is saying, you need to evaluate that. You need to look at that because there are people who need what you have. And so his whole value system, faith transformed. It transformed the blind man. Earlier it transformed the rich young ruler. It transformed Zacchaeus. And it changed them from people that pleased themselves and who had values built around self-aggrandizement to values that they lived which were entirely to please God and bring him glory. Now, I don't find that easy to say to you because it isn't complete in my life anywhere near. But I know what it should be like. I, I had to learn a big lesson. Um, she's not here tonight, so I can tell her this story because I couldn't tell it this morning because she'd have said, oh, you can't tell that story here. But when I, when I first met Heather, uh, that's my wife, um, I played a lot of quite significant hockey. I was a reasonable hockey player in my days, and I, I, could, I knew how to hurt people. Uh, and our team were trained to hurt people. Uh, we knew how to take people out of the game. I'm not proud of it, but I'm telling you what, what was the truth. I played hard, and I played too hard. And Heather watched me one day. It was in Nottingham. I'll never forget it. And she said, if you play hockey like that, I never want to see you again. And I thought, oh, okay. Because I thought she was rather gorgeous at the time. I still do. <laughs> I had to put that in, didn't I, really? Whoops. Yeah. Love, don't read the, don't listen to the tape, whatever you do. Uh, yeah, it, well, it, it, was a, it was a great shock because what she was saying to me is that I don't want to link up with a guy with that kind of value system. I, I don't want to be near him. I want a guy who loves Jesus and tries to put it into practice. And with God's help, very fleetingly and very full of failure, we've, we've tried to do it in 51 years of married life. That's what this is about, my friends, this story. It is about God changing the very heart of your worldview. What gets you up in the morning? What your values are? We are not a church of perfect people. We are sinners. But meeting Jesus, as many of you know, transforms, changes brings a new way of looking at life. And if we could tonight go around the room and share stories of God's powerful transformation, I'm sure we could get a, quite a few good stories out of this place. But just remember this as I close. We are new creations. No more in condemnation. Here in the grace of God, we stand. That is who we are. But we need constant renewal. And dare I say this, we need a few moments at the tea table, don't we? And if you haven't had a tea table moment with Jesus lately, then make sure you get one. Jesus wants to come to your house, to your place, to talk to you, 
to listen to you, to change you more and more into his likeness. I don't know about you, but I've been a Christian for over 50 years, but I'm still so conscious that I need that touch of Jesus daily. And if you don't, can I say this lovingly? You're on the verge of arrogance. You need Jesus. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, thank you so much that you allowed your son to walk into that city of Jericho and look up and see a man and say to him, come down, I want tea with you today. Thank you that in a different way today, Jesus is still saying the same thing. I want to be with you. I want to change the very root of your life, your values, your system of thinking, your worldview. I want you to be thinking about what would Jesus want me to do? And I pray that that may go with us into this coming week as we go into our places of work, into our communities, into whatever life has for us in these coming days to take Jesus with us. Not to shut him out. And for each of us, wherever we travel this week, that we may know the wonderful, wonderful presence of the Lord Jesus. And we will allow him to change what needs to be changed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.